Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Wakis-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Coming up on this episode of The Entrepreneurial You. Anybody can innovate. We're all capable of it. And everybody has to innovate because in today's crazy world, different wins. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing, my awesome, amazing person of excellence? I am Henneka Watkins-Porto, host of The Entrepreneurial You podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by R. Cook Customs Broker Limited, Bookophilia, Jamaica Stock Exchange, and Patois Apparel. And now, let's go to today's episode. Peak Performers, today's guest is the founder of Launch Street, the online innovation program and community, and creator of the proprietary innovation quotient edge, the only assessment able to help you discover your unique innovator archetype so you can innovate on demand. She has been featured in Inc. Magazine, New York Times, Today Show, radio and podcasts across the globe, and is a regular contributor to the Huffington post. She is a sought-after keynote speaker, CrossFit addict, and knee-high sock lover. I'm so thrilled to have on the Entrepreneurial You today, Tamara Kleinberg. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. My first question for you is actually a fun question, which I ask all my guests. So here is yours. Would you rather be an apple or a banana? Oh my gosh. I would rather be an apple. I love apples. I don't know if there's anything better than biting into a crisp apple. Whoa. For me, that is a mango. <laughs> Can I tell you? I love mangoes. I feel that way about watermelon. That's my other favorite fruit. Okay. So but without further ado, I'm going to ask you, Tamara, to plug your social media handle where we can find you most of the time so that our community of peak performers can shout out at you if they so desire. Yeah, we're on all the you know usual platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. And all of them are at Launch Street. Awesome. So and let me just give my peak performers, if they want to look for me at this point as well, Pato Apparel or Henneke Watkins Porter on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Those are the three places that, that we are prevalent. So without further ado, let us go in talking about tomorrow, building a culture of innovation where ideas will move from the conference room to execution. What is the greatest barrier to innovation? There are so many. And I think we've all been told, you know, all through our careers and our lives that the biggest barrier to innovation is fear. And that is absolutely true. It takes courage to leap. It takes chutzpah to, you know, put yourself out there. But I would say that kind of there's a flip side to it or another layer to it, which is one of the biggest barriers to fear is actually understanding how you innovate and doing what you do best. I think all too often, you know, we have this misconception that innovation is for certain people, you know, they have that blue streak in their hair, they're super cool, they work only at cafes, right? We all know that person, or for certain times. But in reality, we're actually 
all innovative. We all do it, but how we do it is unique to each of us. So to me, it's not just about fear and courage. It really is about recognizing that we're all innovative beings. I should have even asked at the very get-go to define innovation because I think different people, of course, will define it in different ways. But when you say innovation, what are you actually talking about? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because isn't it one of those words that just gets tossed around, you know, like a volleyball and everyone's like, it means this, it means that. And none of us, we're using the same word and we're not saying the same thing. So here's what, let me start with what it's not, because I think it's important to understand, um, you know, the kind of the barriers or the boundaries. It is not just new product development, clever marketing, or um, new technology. That's often what we isolate it with. Here is what I would propose we use moving forward as the definition of innovation. It's people, each thinking differently about what's right in front of us to create differentiated value. And the reason I think that that definition is so applicable and so important is, first of all, it it really, if you think about how it breaks down, number one is it's about each of us and how we think and thinking differently, shifting our perspective about that second part, which is what's right in front of us, the resources, the challenge, the ideas, the people. You know, I think all too often we're trying to look for innovation as this big blue skies thing, but it really is about shifting our perspective about what's right in front of us, ultimately to create differentiated value, which is something that is unique in the marketplace. I mean, I think as entrepreneurs, we know better is not enough. To win today, you have to be different and you have to be valuable in that differentiation. It's amazing that you you emphasize what's in front of us because like you say, we're looking for it somewhere else when all that we need to, to become successful and to innovate is right in front of us. We just got to look a little deeper and harder. You totally nailed it. It is right in front of us. And we spend so much time looking up at that blue sky, hoping something will poof, appear out of nowhere. Yeah, poof. You know, <laughs> right. Ta-da! This is a magic genie. But you know, if you look at the great innovations over time, let's take some entrepreneurs that I just think are killing it and just use them as examples for a second. Because all they did was take what's right in front of them and change it and make something amazing out of it. So first of all, I don't know if you subscribe to Dollar Shave Club, but I do. And I love it. But razors existed, shaving existed, all and subscription models existed. But what Mike Dubin did, the founder of Dollar Shave Club, is he put those things, the things that were right in front of him, together in a new way. And that's what made it so innovative. Another one of my favorite stories is a colleague of of mine out here in Colorado, where I live. He owns a winery called the Infinite Monkey Urban Winery. And they put wine in cans, so single-serve cans. And everybody else is putting them into bottles. So he's opened up whole new distribution models, whole new levels of success, by doing a tiny little shift, thinking differently about what's right in front of him. There's nothing new about cans. There's nothing new about wine, but he put them together in a new way. Sure. You know, I went to St. Martin for my vacation in November of 2016. And I remember going to this uh, night spot. And what I found interesting, you know, those sauce bottles, those sauce jars? Yeah. I saw them serving cocktails in those jars. I was most blown away. Like, wow, how cool. I would have never thought of doing that. (laughs) It's genius. Yeah. And they don't count for calories, right? Because exactly, they're small. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we gather in the boardroom, the conference room, and we brainstorm and we come up with all sorts of ideas. But why do they, do, most of those ideas die before they even leave the conference room? There's two kind of main reasons for that. So one is um, we mistake consensus and collaboration. So we come together to 
present ideas, to gather input on ideas, to move an idea forward. And we get everybody in the room because we think we need collab- what we call collaboration. But it's not. It's consensus. And what that does is it waters down the idea. So by the time we leave the conference room, none of us even like what we've come up with because it's so everything to everybody. And you know, I like to define collaboration as the right people having the right conversation at the right time. And that doesn't include everybody. And that sounds really painful for people to do, but the right people need to be in the room having the conversation about ideas. Not everybody. Consensus just kills any idea. Things just go from brilliant to average at best. Second thing I've learned along the way is innovation actually has its own language. And when we learn to speak the language of innovation, we learn to get buy-in on our ideas. Most ideas lose traction because we don't have the language to champion them forward with the people who ultimately need buy-in down the road to put them to implementation. And if we have some time, I'm happy to share some examples of the difference in language. But really, it's a language problem that we have because we don't know how to present them in a way that gets other people along for the ride. Before you share those language uh, barriers that you were about to uh, get into, I think for the first one, what happens a lot of time is actually groupthink. You know, you're talking about somebody, yes, people just actually agree with something because person X who is very influential may actually agree with this point and this suggestion and we move along with it because, you know, we begin to have groupthink right there. You're so right about that. That's why I hate focus groups. It's a whole nother soapbox I could get on. It's for that same kind of reason because there's two people in the room who have really strong opinions and they end up driving the whole thing for everybody. And, you know, if you add a piece to the idea, I add a piece to the idea, and 15 other people add a piece to the idea, the idea just, it looks muddy. It, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to a movie and it's very clear they're trying to make it a blockbuster, so they throw in everything, humor, drama, romance, adventure, conflict, you know, a different looking person for everybody, a different looking experience for everybody. And by the end of the movie, you're like, what happened? I don't even know what that movie was about. So ideas are the same way. We got to rain. We got to, we got to get the right ideas forward. So let's go back to the language of innovation that you were alluding to earlier. Yeah. So this is one of the more powerful tools that we actually have on our on-demand program. So that's our membership program that entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs access to get all the tools and resources to bring innovation to life daily. And this is the one that our clients on there would tell you they love the most and have seen the biggest shift in traction and buy-in for them. So a little bit of backstory to it. I was doing a big new product development project for J&J, for Johnson & Johnson, baby care. And every idea that we presented got turned down, every single one of them. And I will tell you, they were great ideas. And not just because it was me and my team that created them, the consumers helped us create them. But we had a bunch of jaded people around the conference room who were not along the ride for us, who had, you know, we had been out there for six months being innovative and pushing boundaries. And we got into this conference room to present our ideas to the people who we ultimately needed buy-in from to move them forward. And they shut them down. They didn't get it. And there was one guy in particular, he was the VP of strategy. And here's the thing about him. I, I hope I run into him again. I don't actually remember his name. But what I can tell you about him is he had one of those big 1970s Magnum PI mustaches that was so big it moved before he spoke. So, you know, every idea I could hear him say things like, well, didn't we try that in 1992? Didn't Joanne look into that in R&D? Didn't the competitor do that and failed? He's ultimately the one that shut everything down. 
but he taught me a really valuable lesson. And that was around this language of innovation. So here's, uh, let me give you an example of what we normally do. I'm going to use something on my desk. So I'm going to use my water bottle. Here's what we normally do. I go to you and I say, Hey, I have a great idea. It's this water bottle. Um, it's got double th- insulation. So it stays cold or stays hot. And actually it knows your thumbprint. So it knows when you need vitamins and it puts them in there and Oh, it beeps when you walk too far away from it. So what do you think? That's how we present our ideas. And unfortunately, even if the idea is brilliant or not, I have forced you on the other side of the table into an up or down vote. You either love it or you hate it by saying, what do you think? How will, you know, does this work for you? Is this a yes or no? I'm forcing you to actually give me a down vote because we're humans. That's what we do. But if we change our language and get people out of an up or down vote and actually use questions at the end that engage people, we can change our outcomes. So we change our language, we change our outcomes. So here's, here's an example of this. Here's a different way to look at it. So I come to you and I say, hey, I've got this water bottle, thermal, vitamins, et cetera. What would you do to strengthen this idea? Now I've got your wheels turning. You're thinking about it. Oh, well, Tamara, I'd like this, but the cap is this. It won't work in this way, but it could work in this way. So now your wheels are turning and you're along for the ride. And, you know, I don't know if you have these people in your life, but I have the analytics who, and in fact, I'm married to one who I come in the room and I'm like, Hey babe, I have this great idea. And he's like, poo, poo, poo. And he's shooting holes and everything I do. I think we all work with those people or we have them on our team. So here's the thing with those people, because when you say to them, what do you think? They're going to hate it and they're going to shut down everything. And they're going to point out everything that's wrong with your idea, right? That's what you get back from them. But you can leverage them and you can leverage their analytical mind by saying, here's my idea. What holes do you see and how would you fill it? Get them into solution mode with you. Use their analytical mind to get on board and to make your idea even better. I mean, the reality is any idea that we present, no matter how good, still needs a little extra work. That's why we're presenting it to these people. They know something that we don't, whether that's because they're going to manufacture it or they're our leaders and we need buy-in from them. So if we change our language, we change our outcomes. Mm-hmm. Because that it is in fact creating a level of engagement. So as you said, shift the focus around. That's exactly right. We, you know, we think that the idea is going to stand up for itself. I mean, how many times have we been up in a presentation? Maybe it's a beautiful PowerPoint. Maybe we even have a prototype and we're like, oh, here's our beautiful idea. Isn't it amazing? And the people on the other side of the table just tilt their head and look at you like, what? And you're going, well, don't you get it? It's brilliant. But they don't. They weren't along for the ride with us. And exactly how you said it, we need to find language that gets people engaged. Big reason why innovation and ideas die in the conference room is because we simply do not have the language to champion them forward. And on that note, we're going to take a break. We are speaking with Tamara Kleinberg of Launch Street. Interesting conversation going on right now on the subject of innovation and moving it from conference room to execution. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the innovation quotient edge. And Tamara is going to be taking us through what that is and how we can use it to get results. Peak performers. Success is something that we gradually work towards as an end goal, but we need to be in the right environment to make it happen. Bookophilia is dedicated to providing a space for book, coffee and tea lovers, creatives, educators, students and professionals who want ideas, innovation and inspiration. They have a variety of high quality books, a cafe, 
events such as book launches, signings and art exhibitions, and professional services uniquely tailored to your needs, culture, and tastes. Their environment provides for the full literary arts experience, allowing for multifaceted creative expressions. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bookophilia. Welcome back. And let's continue our conversation with Tamara Kleinberg of Lawn Street as we go into what is the innovation quotient edge and how can we use that to get results? So the innovation quotient edge is our proprietary assessment that tells you your unique innovator archetype so that you can innovate on demand. So I used to believe that, you know, if we just, you know, stepped outside our comfort zone and dared to be fearless, that we'd all be innovative. But in my 20 plus years of work and research with, you know, everyone from Fortune 500 of the Disney's and Procter and Gamble's of the world to, you know, startups and entrepreneurs, what I discovered actually blew those assumptions out the door. And what I learned was that we're all innovative. It's actually universal, but how we do it is unique to each of us. And there's actually nine triggers of innovation. And it's the combination of the top two and the present of a dormant trigger. We all have one that we're not as strong at that actually create our unique innovator archetype. And, you know, the thing that I think is so powerful and so cool about it and the feedback that we get from our entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that have taken it is that when you understand how you innovate, you can bring more of that to the table. You can bring more innovative ideas and solutions to life on a regular basis. It doesn't feel so hard anymore. You can work smarter, not harder. You perform at your peak or, you know, that, that zone that we talk about, that creative zone more often. And, you know, I, I got tired along the way of hearing, I don't know if you hear this too from people, well, I'm not innovative. It's, you know, Susie down the hall. But that's not true. We all do it. We just do it in a different way. And, you know, for me, on a personal level, it had actually a big impact on, on myself and on my business. Because when I realized this, I realized as the entrepreneur, as the leader, hey, not everybody has to do it my way. It turns out there's a bunch of different ways to innovate. And if I let myself do it my way and my people on my team do it their way, we all come to the table with better ideas and better results versus everybody being pigeonholed into this one way of doing things. And that's where things start to fall down. So what's the one thing I can do right now? You know, our peak performers listening, what's the one thing they can do right now to up their innovation quotient? Well, the first thing I would tell them is go take the assessment and find out what your combination is. There's 35 different trigger combinations and you can go to myiqe.com or launch street, go to launchstreet.com. Either one will get you to the assessment. Um, and I think it's important because it, it actually quantifies and tells you how you do it versus guessing. You might be a risk taker experiential like me. You might be a collaborative inquisitive like um, you know, a colleague that I work with, you might be a collaborative tweaker like Laura, my assistant who works for me. So find out what you are. And then after that, here's the other thing I would say, the other kind of one thing I would say to do, and I try to do this every morning as a reminder of how I innovate. So I schedule 15 minutes to do one thing a little bit differently every single day, whether that's how I look at my emails, the cafe I work in, the approach I take to a problem. If you don't schedule it, it's amazing how it doesn't happen. So I want to prime my brain to be innovative all the time. So every morning, I want 15 minutes of doing one thing that I would normally do in a way that I don't usually do it. 
because you know we we've become such creatures of habits sometimes and it's kind of hard to shift into that mode of doing something differently we become no matter how slight the change may be as humans we tend to be so uncomfortable with change yeah you know it's funny it's um first of all we feel like change is happening to us and that's part of the problem and i you know one of the things i talk a lot about my in my keynotes is we want to think about change actually is something that we can harness, not something that happens to us. We want to be more of change artists. We want to be able to see all the change happening around us and actually turn it into something amazing. But you know, 15 minutes in the morning doesn't feel so bad, does it? I mean, could you do 15 minutes of just something a little bit different, whether it's sit on the other side of your desk to maybe ask a different question. That's one of my favorite things to do is to ask a question I don't normally ask. It's amazing what that will take you. It takes you down whole new paths of thinking. It doesn't matter how innovative, you know, we, we are at times. There are always innovation killers, as it were. What are those big innovation killers for both individuals and organizations? I'd say for the individual, one of the big things I see is, you know, we put layers of judgments on our own ideas before we even get them out into the world. And we label it as, you know, it'll never work. They'll never go for it. I don't have the experience to even be talking about this. So, you know, we complain a lot about other people and how they shut down our ideas. But in truth, one of the biggest barriers is the own judgments we put on our own ideas. One of my favorite exercises to do when I keynote is I have people draw someone in the room they don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. They just know they're drawing someone. And then I ask them to go show it to them. And you should, I mean, people are trying to run from the room when I do this exercise. But what I love about it is when I'm walking around the room, I hear their comments and they say things like, I'm so sorry. I wasn't, I'm not an artist. Oh my God, I failed art. Oh, I swear you're not this ugly. Oh, my apologies for what this looks like. They're apologizing for their work before they even really present it to anyone. So it just, to me, is proof that, you know, we put all these layers on ourselves. So you know, we have to ask ourselves, how are we supposed to get to those game changing ideas, get to innovation when we're already shutting ourselves down? So the first thing I ask people to do really is to to get any idea that you have out there because you never know where it's going to go. And it's not as bad as you think it is. So get rid of those judgments and give yourself permission to innovate. There's actually a self-sabotaging um, effect that's happening here. You know, I, one of the things I like to do tomorrow as well is to when I present, I normally have a picture of somebody strangling somebody else, right? So there's a victim and there's a victor. And I normally ask, uh, what would you do in this situation? And every single time without fail, they assume the role of the victim and they're saying, oh, I would try to push his hand off. And they would, yeah, and it's so amazing that they always assume that position of being a victim rather than the person who is actually in charge and in control. I mean, obviously you don't want to be strangling people, yeah? But, you know, it's just to get the point across. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's, it goes back to our own insecurities and our own judgments. And, you know, here's the, the, Truth and the thing I've learned over my years in innovation, and you know, I'm like anybody else. I we're all innovative, but I've ebbed and flowed. And I would say my, you know, if I were an equalizer on the stereo of where I've been in innovation. But what I found over the years is, first of all, people are happy and excited to hear your your new ideas, your disruptive thinking. Um, and the ones that aren't aren't because of their own insecurities. It has nothing to do with you and your ideas, and everything to do with their own baggage. Most people are happy that you're out there taking risks, trying something. They respect you for it, for speaking up, for doing what you think is right, for trying that new idea. 
And so that's number one. The second thing really is that, you know, when you unleash innovation on a regular basis, it makes it easier for you on the back end. So if you think about all those struggles and all those challenges that keep coming back over and over and over again, most likely it's because you're just churning through it with the same type of solutions. Innovation actually saves you time and energy on the back end. In closing, share with us, Tamara, your final thoughts on innovation. Anybody can innovate. We're all capable of it. And everybody has to innovate because in today's crazy world, different wins. In today's crazy world, different win. No, no sense trying to fit in. Stand out. Stand up and stand out is the point right here. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, as I said in a keynote the other day, we weren't put on this earth to blend in. And our time is too short. So why bother? Like, go do something crazy. Go be bold. And frankly, it's a lot more fun. So yes, yeah, living on the edge is so much fun than, you know, trying to fit in and be normal. Everybody's normal. So why, why be like everybody else? So tomorrow, at this point, you mentioned in your uh, response to me a while ago about the assessment that uh, we can go on your website and do we're going to ask you to repeat that information as well as give us all your contact information your website and so on and your social media handle sure so the website is go to launchstreet.com g-o-t-o launchstreet.com and that's where you can find everything including how to take the assessment how to get into our on um, on demand our membership program and our social media is at launch street as well it makes it easy just remember launch street and you'll find us We've had a great time, peak performers. You'd agree with me. Have a great time speaking with Tamara Kleinberg. She's from Launch Street, doing amazing things, talking to us about innovation. And so it's my absolute pleasure to say thank you very much, Tamara, for coming, sharing with us and inspired us the way you have done. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. Oh, back at you. And thanks for doing what you do. It's so great that you're out there sharing all this great wisdom with the world. And now a word from our amazing sponsors. We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. As an entrepreneur, you have a business to grow. You need to spend time working on your business instead of in your business. Don't waste your time dealing with imports and exports. Contact the experts. Our Cook Customs Broker Limited. Their services are reliable, efficient, and designed to fit your budget. With over two decades of experience, they are rated Tier 1 by Jamaica Customs. They offer customs brokerage services imports and exports, freight forwarding and haulage contracting. 
contact them at 1-876-977-0224 or email them at rcookcustomsbroker at gmail.com. What do you know? We have come to the end of another great episode of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I trust that you learned something and that something resonated with you so that you can share with others And speaking of sharing, I'd so love for you to leave a comment on the show notes page of each episode. Well, we're talking about this one in particular. Leave a comment at the end of the page so that when you go the topic, you click down and at the end, there is an option there for you to comment. If you're accessing through iTunes, then by all means, I'd love for you to leave a rate and review that will keep us as a top rated podcast. It means a lot to me for you to help me out in this way, right? I know you are listening from all over the world and I so appreciate it from Japan to Germany to India to Pakistan, everywhere in the Caribbean, in the United States, in Jamaica in particular. Big up my Jamaican peeps. Big up those, of course, in Ohio and all those other states that persons are listening in from, that you are listening in from. I so truly appreciate you. Now, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can actually send me an email, you know, send it to Henneke Watkins Portal at gmail.com. I am truly looking forward to connecting with you. If you want to send me a voicemail too, you can do that through my website. Just go to the middle at the right of the screen. There is an option for voicemail when you go to hennekawatkinsporter.com. I do want to hear from you. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? <laughs>